Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. Hallelujah. All right. Well, yeah, if you'd like a scripture with which to, we're starting a brand new series tonight. And we're going to use, we're going to launch with Acts 10, 38. One of my favorite scriptures, it says, Jesus, or Peter is speaking to uh, Cornelius' house, hold it. He says, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, or you could say even with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. If you were with us a week ago, you remember that uh, Paul was sharing some of the uh, healing miracles they have seen and some of the awesome things that have happened down there in Paraguay. And uh, I was, you know, greatly encouraged how many of you were. It's, you know, he and Tracy are just doing a fabulous job down there. The Lord's using them greatly. And I'd been, you know, I'd reached the end of the series the week before. And as I was meditating on it, I really do feel we're, we, I'm, I'm going to do a, starting another series tonight on healing is ours. Healing is ours. Uh, divine healing is, you know, to tell you the truth anymore, even in a lot of uh, uh, full gospel, charismatic, spirit filled, whatever you want to churches is something that's, you know, we don't think about much until suddenly we need it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And in the West in particular, we have become very dependent upon medicine. Uh, if you've ever been to any other, like any part of the third world, the so-called third world, uh, you know, whether it's South America or, you know, wherever, you know, it, it, you know, the, the level of human suffering in those places is, is just, it's ghastly. I mean, you see so many people that have so many illnesses and, and, and things, and they do have medical care, but it's nothing like what we have experienced. It's nothing like what we have readily available. And, you know, in their case, if they don't get a miracle, they stay sick. And so they, you know, God does some awesome things. You know, when people get desperate, they'll, they'll you know, they're, you know, they say there are no atheists in foxholes. And, you know, when you get desperate, you know, you got somebody that's really suffering. If you say, can I pray for you? You'll find very few people who will refuse. And, you know, we were all. But the, the thing is, things are changing. Uh, we all grew up trained to believe whatever our doctor told us, you know, and we saw we because we had seen medical miracles. I re, when I was a kid, I remember they talked about miracle drugs and wonder drugs. And what they were basically talking about was antibiotics, because before penicillin came on the scene, you know, things that today are easily treatable back then would really lay people up, sometimes cripple them or kill them because their system had no way of fighting it off. But, you know, we, you know, recent events in the last couple of years have taught us that medical science is somewhat limited and human, you know, human medicine has its limitations. Number one, it's got its technical limitations. And number two, it has its moral limitations 
because as we've discovered that the medical community, uh, although, you know, I've got a great, my family physician, my personal doctor that I've had for well over 20 years is uh, a great doctor. He is a great guy and I trust him, you know, et cetera. But I'm here to tell you that there are a lot of doctors out there I do not trust. And, you know, because the level of dishonesty, et cetera, is, you know, working in that community. And I'm not disparaging medicine or physical treatments at all. I'm, you know, because I stand before you as somebody who undoubtedly has the, still has the ability to hear normally because of those wonder drugs we were talking about. Every little kid seems to get earaches and ear infections. And amoxicillin or ampicillin or, you know, something like that is, you know, usually get, you know, it's, it's, it's out, you swat it out of the park. The sickest I've ever been in my life was when several years ago I came down with bronchitis and I have absolutely no idea. Well, I kind of do, but what happened there? And the, uh, I was going to an HMO over here and the physician assistant saw me, well, how long have you smoked? And I said, I have never smoked. He said, really? I said, really? And so, I mean, and I felt, I, I, did, I felt horrible. I felt like death eating a cracker. I did. And he gave me a prescription for some sort of antibiotic. And I mean, within 24 hours, I was feeling much, much better. And so, you know, I'm not saying medicine can't do anything, I'm, but I can tell you this. I've been operated on and I have been healed by the power of God. And I'm here to tell you the power of God is better. Amen. And I also know that if I don't teach on it and if we don't study it and we don't pray over it, that 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 understand it has to become the healing power of God has to become more real to us than the sickness more real to us. And that's true in any area of our life. You know, we say I'm going to see a victory. We have to believe that that has to be our confidence. That has to be, you know, it's not just that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I believe that is the, the way it's going. I know how this story ends. Amen. And missionaries' testimonies like Paul and Tracy's are exciting and they're encouraging, you know. And the, you know, the coolest part is that after they prayed for the lady who had had the stroke and she was rapidly getting better, they did not present her a bill. God did not present her a bill. Amen. And, uh, you know, you know, you know why God doesn't give you a bill? Because Jesus has already paid it. Hallelujah. But you got to know that you got to believe that. And when you get into divine healing, even within the body of Christ, there will be controversy because some people don't believe God does that now until they get really sick and then they hope maybe he will. But the fact is, I want to believe it in advance. I want to, I want to be ready. Everybody say amen. I want my faith mobilized, etc. In fact, I'm thinking about how that, uh, I think it's Mark 9, when Jesus uh, came down from the Mount of Transfiguration. You might recall that there was a young, there was a man there who had brought his lunatic, epileptic son, who actually had a spirit, um, to uh uh, to, to the disciples. And he said, I, I asked them to cast it out and they couldn't do it. But when Jesus, there'd been a failure. And when, <coughs> excuse me, when Jesus was, had come down the mountain, the first thing he saw was his disciples over in a very heated argument with the Pharisees. 
So when it comes to this subject, there's all kinds of theological debate. But I'm going to tell you right now, for those who question the fact that divine healing exists, you are looking and listen at and listening to someone who has been healed by the power of God. I'll never, I'll never forget the very first time it happened when I was healed. I had a headache that felt like the Mount of Olives was just about to split. I was in the army. I was at work. I was sitting in front of several a bank of radios and, and demodulators and trying to, trying to focus on the job and, and thinking I may go on sick call or whatever. And I hadn't been filled with the spirit, but just three or four months maybe. And I put my head in my head. It was a darkened room and there weren't a whole lot of people around because I worked in a very specialized uh, division. And I put my head in my hands. I'll never forget. I put my head in my hands and I, and I prayed quietly before the Lord. I said, Lord, this headache is not glorifying you and, isn't, and it isn't helping me. And in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you to I'm just thank you for your healing. And I just felt the pain just go. And I was completely well. I mean, I felt great. And I turned around. It's amazing when God does something for you like that. Without even thinking, I turned around and said to the E6, the staff sergeant that was my NCOIC in that particular subdivision, uh, subsystem. I looked at him. I said, Flip, you know that headache I was telling you I had? He said, yeah, is it worse? I said, no. I just prayed and it's gone. He said, what? I said, I just prayed and it's gone. Then I did something kind of goofy. I went, watch. It doesn't hurt. You know, when you have a headache and you, sh you, don't, you don't shake your head, right? And he went, okay, you know, but I had to tell somebody. Yeah. It's just so awesome. I've been supernaturally healed of many things in my body. It's, it didn't work every time, but I don't hold God responsible for that. Sin, what, tonight we're talking about the source of sickness. Isaiah 53 Four through six gives or gives us a real good indicator of what's going on here. It says, surely this is the one that we claim. Surely he, meaning the Lord, took up. This is a messianic prophecy, took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him. Then notice it says our infirmities and carried our sorrows, our griefs. Yet we considered him stricken. By God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Everybody say amen. Notice he was pierced. You know, is he was for our transgressions, our sins, our rebellion, our disobedience, behavior which fractures our fellowship or humanity's fellowship with God, that creates a gulf between God and us. He was crushed for our iniquities. The Hebrew there is for guilt, an infraction, a lawless or crooked deed. And it carries with it its own sense of punishment. It is a perversion. And verse 6, which we did not read, we all like sheep have gone astray. And each one of us has turned to his own way. And Yahweh has laid the iniquity on him, the iniquity 
of us all. Now, you will run into people who, when you get over to 1 Peter 24 and, you know, uh, 2.24, when he quotes that, they'll say, that is referencing our spiritual condition, how that we, like sheep, have gone astray. But he put his iniquities and we were healed spiritually. Yet, as we'll, as we'll see, when it says he took our infirmities and bore Matthew chapter 8, 17, Matthew, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says that that directly means that God took sickness and disease from people so that he might fulfill that. He took our diseases. But nonetheless, transgression is key to it. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 says, therefore, just as through one man, Sin entered the world and death through sin. So death spread to all men because all sinned. When Adam, as the federal head of the race and the ruler of this planet, remember God gave Adam and Eve charge over the whole planet. He said, go forth, multiply, rule over the earth, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the elephants, you know, all of it. It's all yours. I'm going to do it through you. I'm going to rule the plan, but I'm going to do it through you, my imagers. But when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, it fractured their relationship with God. It broke fellowship with God. Commun it broke Another word for fellowship is communion. We're going to be receiving communion tonight. It's where something flows from one person to the other. You can, have you ever been, how many of you ever had a friend in your life with whom you are, or, or, your, or your spouse? Where you are so close to them that you can actually finish their sentences. And they can finish yours. Why? Or when something comes up, you know what they're thinking before they ever open their mouth. Why? Because you know them. And they know you that well. Why? You have communed. You have fellowshiped. It, things have passed back and forth between you. All right? And so there, Adam used to walk with... Uh, Yahweh in the in the garden in the cool of the day and they would fellowship. We don't know how long that actually went on before the fall. Apparently some time. But Jesus died. You know, notice it says here. Uh, Therefore, this just as through one man sin entered the world, not sins, plural, plural rather, but sin as a principle and death through it. Now, in Genesis 2 and 16, the command that Adam had transgressed is given to him right here. Yahweh, God, commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Now, the, re the, the literal Hebrew rendering is even more interesting to me because it says, for in the day that you eat from it, dying a process, you will die. Now, before then, before Adam did that, we don't, we're not really sure what, now I know that some of my naturalist friends, and when I say naturalist friends, I'm talking about believers, you know, and I'm not going to, I'm not, I, dis, I, I disagree with them on, on some things, but I'm not going to be disagreeable. Everybody follow me? All right. But, you know, there is no such thing, as far as I can tell from the scripture, as death by natural causes. 
Death by natural causes is something that God never intended to be. Death by natural causes. I don't think God intended for us to get old. How many of you find that cheerful? How many of you find that amazing? I never thought I would give to... Well, I wasn't sure I would ever... If I'd have known I was going to live to be this old, I would have taken better care of myself. It's true. But, you know, something quits working. Something wears out. You know, ceases to... Or being unable to renew itself. You know, some kind... I'm not even sure it's the will of God for cars to rust. God is not the author of those things. We were not designed or meant to die. Why would God warn Adam... Um, if you know it's now you eat that dying thou shalt die in other words you're going to start a progression of things a contagion of things that will culminate terminate in your death so you don't want to do that you want to so the implication there is that if he will be obedient he won't die all right nowhere does it ever say that adam would never be allowed to eat from that tree it's just not right now how many of you follow me I don't think the natural death is natural. We go back to Genesis 3, when he, when, and this is a key verse, the, or passage. Genesis 3, 17. Then to Adam he said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree, which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground, cursed is the land, cursed is the earth, Eretz, because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Now I want you to think about this. If he's saying it's cursed now, and because of the curse, in toil you will eat of it. Apparently, before he was able to eat of it without toil. Doesn't mean he didn't work, but it wasn't, you know, busting a sweat. It says, cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you. You will eat the plants of the field by the sweat. Oh, by the way, he gives him permission to eat meat a little bit later on. So anyway, but by the sweat of your face, you will eat bread until you return to the ground. Because from it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return. If blight Insect damage and drought and things of that nature were something that were built in. That passage of scripture doesn't make a lot of sense. He says, because of you, these things are coming. You have no idea what you have just done. You know, it's, it's true that a lot of times when the Lord will talk to us and say, mm -mm, you know, we'll get a check in our spirit about doing something. He won't tell us why. How many of you ever noticed that? But why? And we're just like little kids. Why? And he won't tell us. So we do it sometimes. And then we find out why. I mean, you know what I mean there. All right. And so the curse came on the world. Confusion, the corruption, the dysfunction. The, the, when what Adam did was moral evil. He was disobedient to God. It was moral evil. But then... It brought physical evil into the earth. Physical evil. Now, physical evil, when I talk about physical evil, I don't mean that there's necessarily an evil spirit doing something. But decay is physical evil. Uh, degeneration is physical evil. The fact that, you know, things wear out and, you know, uh, and that and we have... The, these cataclysmic storms and things of that nature, you know. In fact, 
Romans chapter 8 and verse 20 puts it, Paul makes reference to it. He says, for the creation was subjected to futility. That's emptiness. That's corruption. That's calamity. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. When did that happen? We just read it. Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. That the creation itself would be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. The use of the term of a contraction, a pain of childbirth, is something that Jesus uses to describe upheavals, wars, calamities, natural disasters, things that are that get closer and closer, that are the enunciation, if you will, that the kingdom of God will come back on the earth. How many of you know we'll have a new heavens and a new earth? And there will be no tornadoes. Is that okay with anybody? No hurricanes. There'll be, you know, you know, there won't be, there won't be any of that stuff. All right. Now, sickness then entered and degeneration entered through that moral evil that is sin. But remember that sin as a concept does not, you know, and I realize this is really getting theological, but you, I think if you really get your head wrapped around this, it'll help you. Sin as a concept does not exist in a vacuum. Sin is an act. It is a, it is a deed that is an outgrowth of a rebellious attitude or ignorance or lack, you know, or lack of knowledge, you know, something of that nature. We can be ignorant of God's law and still it's sin. You know, Paul even talks about that. Those without the law have sinned without and have sinned without the law will die without the law. All right. And those who have the law in sin anyway, well, that's, you know, either rebellion or it's unbelief. And the wages of sin is still death. Even in Christians, Paul warns us about that. He tells the Corinthians, stop sinning. And in fact, we're going to take communion tonight in the 11th chapter of of, of uh, First Corinthians, he talks about how that you guys need to judge yourselves. You need to get, you know, you need to let the Lord talk to you. Let, you know, let him do some things in you for this, because you guys have, you're, you're acting like a bunch. He even says you're acting like mere men. You're walking like even in that. And he says, for this reason, many among you are weak and sickly and a number have died. The wages of sin is still death and it opens the door for the enemy or the curse to get in. If our disobedience is longstanding, particularly we are exposed. And additionally, there's a lot of sin that just abuses the body and it takes years off your life. I mean, you look at Galatians 5.19 and following. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. Which are these? Immorality. That's opening yourself up to sexually transmitted diseases. Impurity. Sensuality, which leads to immorality idolatry, sorcery, that's drug abuse. We'll talk about that a little bit on Sunday. Enmities, strife, and jealousy, out, which lead to outbursts of How many of you know when you're in enmities, you're, you're in strife, you're jealous, you're eating up with envy and stuff of that nature? That will, you know, that will give you headaches and ulcers and all kinds of stuff. Sorcery, drug abuse, well, we know that can lead to all kinds of trouble. Drunkenness, he goes on to talk about disputes, factions, ending, drunkenness, carousing, 
and things like these. I mean, you know, when you have outbursts of anger, you know, sometimes the people standing around you are just as prone to that outburst as you are. And you might find yourself in what we as police used to refer to as a situation of mutual combat. In John chapter 5 and verse 14, the man at the pool of Bethesda, Jesus said, afterwards, you remember Jesus said, you know, take up your pallet and go home. He was the one who had no faith. He said, whenever I want to get in the water, somebody comes along and gets in ahead of me. Every time the water stirred. And he said, okay, pick up your pallet and go home. So he was healed by a miraculous moving of the grace of God, the spirit of God. In fact, the gifts are literally the word. It's a, it's a derivative of the word grace, graces. And so he's walking through the temple area, big courtyard there and some Pharisees nailed him and said, hey, what are you doing carrying your pallet? It's the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do that. Well, he who told me to rise and walk, he who healed me told me to do that. Well, who is that? He goes, well, I don't know who it was. And he looks around and doesn't see Jesus. And Jesus finds him in the crowd. Apparently he didn't leave. And afterward, Jesus found him in the temple, John 5, 14, and said to him, behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. Now, what he didn't say is that sin caused your problem. How many of you with me? Just because somebody gets, you know, is ill or something of that has an accident or something of that nature does not mean that they were walking in disobedience. You know, we get people that get goofy with this stuff and they get, you know, um, and, it, and it's not helpful. God does heal. God does bless. God does set free. Everybody say amen. But we have, you know, <laughs> I won't call the name of this guy that used to be one of the things he used to love to do is people would come up for healing of their eyesight. And, you know, he would have them take their glasses off and stomp them as an act of faith. Now, has anybody bought a pair of eyeglasses lately? Oh, my goodness. You know, and. You know, and, and somebody said, well, pastor, do you wear glasses? Uh, only when I have to. I wear readers and I wear contact lenses. My sight isn't bad. I mean, I don't have anything in this. I, and I can tell who everybody is. Where'd everybody go? <laughs> you know, but Paul says the outward man is decaying. And so the, when you see somebody wearing glasses on their nose, that doesn't mean they don't have faith. Hello? It means they have contact, or if they don't have glasses, it means they have contacts in their eyes. Or they've had LASIK or something of that nature. You know, so what he, you know, he stomped, they have not stomped their glasses. And they, you know, as an act of faith, well, you know, if the Holy Spirit tells you to do that, that's one thing, but you know, that's, you know, uh, in his book, The Real Faith, Charles Price writes about a woman who he was having a having healing meetings. I believe it was in New York or Chicago, one of the big cities. And there was a lady in a wheelchair who was coming in and she had been to the meeting several nights. And just as she was coming down the sidewalk and getting ready to go into the theater where they were having their meetings. Oh, a car pulled up and the doors opened. And they took a lady who clearly was paraplegic out. 
and put her in uh, the chair. And so they went on up and she followed, you know, since she was in, in a wheelchair as well, they went down to the area where the wheelchair people were, were seated. And when they were taking that lady out of her chair and putting her in like that, she said, you boys take that, uh, take that chair home. I'm not going to need it tonight. I'm walking home. Well, guess what? She did walk home. She didn't need it. Well, that lady that watched that happen the very next night, she did exactly the same thing. She said, you boys take that chair home. I'm walking home. Well, she didn't walk home. And the reason she didn't was because she wasn't saying that out of her own faith. She just saw that and she thought she had pushed the same button and pulled the same lever. And, you know, and so there's a difference between a heart faith and, you know, and grabbing a hold. That first woman already knew. She knew that she knew that she knew like the woman with that. And we're going to go through healings. What we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to go through the, the Gospels. And we're going to go through the New Testament. We're going to see the healing power of God. And we're going to take some of those things apart. And we're going to dissect and we're going to see some of those things. And we're going to build our faith to believe it. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. And so, you know, uh, and, and sometimes there is a spirit of infirmity. The woman with the issue of blood, you know, it's in, uh, or no, the woman who was bent uh, double, uh, Luke 13. And there was a woman who for 18 years had a sickness caused by a spirit and she was bent double and could not straighten up at all. And the Lord set her free. Satan had bound, and he even said Satan has bound this woman, the, you know, this, for this many years. The devil is in a very real sense the author of sickness and disease. All right. Then there is the curse. That is the, 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 the physical evil to which we made reference a little earlier. Uh, he said, cursed is the earth. Cursed is the ground. Cursed is this world because of you. This curse extended itself. This physical evil goes even into the physics of the world around us. And it entered creation as the result of moral evil. This physical evil. We read about it in Romans 8 and 20. It is a slavery of this. You know, earthquakes are not, you know, that destroy, you know, all, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars worth of property and take so many lives. I'm remembering the, what was it, how many years ago was it that they had that massive offshore earthquake and that huge tidal wave came in in Indonesia and killed all those people. That is not the will of God. That is not the doing of God. If that, you know, somebody says, well, that's an act of God. Well, then I don't want to go to heaven because heaven will be full of tornadoes and earthquakes and tidal waves and volcanic eruptions and, you know, just, you know, all kinds of fun. I just got to thinking about how some storm chasers are going to have to figure out another way to get their jollies <laughs> in heaven than chasing storms. Amen. I don't think the law of the jungle was ever God's will. Or, you know, somebody would say, well, I mean, just look at the physiology of the big felines, the lions, the tigers, the leopards, the, you know, the, the mountain lion, the panther, whatever you want to call them, you know, cheetahs and uh, cougars, you know, whatever. Of course, some of those are different names for the same animal, but... Uh, you know, how, how, you know, but it does say that the lion and the lamb will lie, lie down and that the lion will eat straw like, a, like an ox. I don't know how that's supposed to work. 
I can tell you this, he probably won't need the set of teeth he's got right now to do that. Pathogenic organisms. Man-made pathogenic organisms that evolve. First they're telling us, you know, everybody needs this. And then it turns out that everybody got that is more susceptible to this. Yay. That's how, you know, the earth is under a curse. And we will see more and more increasing in frequency natural disasters as we get to the end. Because Jesus himself said it. There would be mega seismoi. Great earthquakes. And that, you know, we've... And volcanic eruptions come along with that because they are, they are directly related. And, our, you know, uh, bacteria and virus, viruses that, viri, viruses that mutate and grow or grow uh, antibiotic resistant and all of that kind of thing. Then there are, there's accidents, there's wars. You know, you know, things of that nature. I don't believe God had any of that for any of us. And further, I believe we can believe God to be kept safe from those things. By saying amen. Well, I had an accident. Where was God then? You know what? You're still here. Amen. And I believe that we walk by faith and not by sight. We've, we, we walk by, you know, we've got to grab hold of Psalm 91 and we've got to trust it. In the days to come, let me tell you, I am the deeper, the more I study, the deeper I get into it, the more I am concerned and convinced that five years from now, the lifestyle of the average American is going to be considerably lower than it is right now. And for, for multiple reasons. And it's out there happening and it's our own, it's, as a nation, as a culture, it's our own fault. And we have got so much corruption in so many places. And God is judging it. He is. All right. And I'm not, you know, I'm a patriot. I'm not against our country. I'm not against, you know, I always I saw a bumper sticker that says, I love my country. It's my government. I can't stand, <laughs> you know, and I have found that to be true. But if you go and you read Deuteronomy 28, Somebody said, well, that's in the Old Testament. Yes, it is. And it's glorious. Blessed are you in the city. Blessed are you in the field. Blessed will you be the offspring of your body, the offspring of your beast, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herd, and the young of your flock. Blessed will be your basket and your stories writing, of course, to an agrarian society. Blessed will you be when you come in. Blessed will you be when you go out. Blessed will be your, ba your basket and your storehouse. Your enemy who rises up against you in one way will be smitten before you and flee before you in seven ways. And all will see that you are called by the name of Yahweh and they will be in awe of you because you walk according to my statutes and you keep my commandments. He says he'll open the windows of heaven and give rain to our land in a season. Bless all the work of our hand. Make us the head and not the tail. Above only, not underneath. And we will lend to many and have no need to borrow. Most of us are pretty excited about that. But by the time you get to chapter 28 verse 15 and you start reading things take a decidedly darker turn he says if you walk away from me if you violate if you go after other gods to serve them and all of this he starts laying out a bunch of stuff that just gets progressively worse 
that every morning you're going to wish it was in the evening. Every evening you're going to wish it's at the morning. The botch, the itch, the, you know, every imaginable, horrible, gross, re, reverse, setback, whatever, will, will come. And he says that is the curse. You and I have been redeemed from the curse. Let's say that together. I have been redeemed from the curse. One more time. I have been redeemed from the curse. If our musicians would come. When God walked this earth as Jesus of Nazareth. How did he respond to sickness? How did he deal with sickness? Did anybody ever come to Jesus with sickness and Jesus said, you know, the father has put this on you. Go and make something of it. Endure it and learn what God has. To. No, Jesus went about doing good and what? Healing. Healing whom? All, All who were oppressed by whom? The devil. The devil. Everybody say, you can't get excited about that. Come on. And in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. Not just some ailments, every single kind. Now that doesn't mean we can live any old lifestyle we want to. I mean, we do, there, we do, we are stewards over this body. Amen. Amen. But... It says he was healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. Man, what is, think about some of the healings in the, the, the book of Acts. You know where, you know, Aeneas, Jesus heals you. Get up. Whoa. How about the guy at the beautiful gate? Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus, walk. Grabs him by the right hand, yanks him up. And where do we see him? Walking and leaping and praising God. Amen. What is it worth to that guy? Amen. Or he goes in. Uh, What's her name? Lydia, the, uh, the seller of purple fabrics. Or no, uh, Dorcas. That's what I'm Dorcas. Uh, gazelle in Greek. And how that she had fallen ill and sick. And Peter was in Joppa and they sent for him. They said, do, they, you know, do not delay to come to us. And when he came, they were, the widows were all standing around weeping and showing the you know, the, the tunics and the things that she had made. He went up and he knelt by the bed and prayed for a bit. And he said, Tabitha, get up. And she opened her eyes and looked at him. And when he gave, I would love to sit down and talk with that woman about what she had seen in the couple days she was out. Amen. I'm telling you, that's the ultimate, you know. Now, was that a resurrection? No, it was a resuscitation. She did die later. Amen. But healing every kind of disease. And he said the works that I do shall. That's one of the reasons we're going through this. It's not just so you can be healed. But so that you can put your hand on people around you. With the confidence that God will do it for them as well. Hallelujah. And the day may come that medical care is not as available. You know there are a lot of people who can't afford to go to the doctor now. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. If you want to know how our God feels about us, all you have to do is read that. That he took us, he snatched us out of that. 
when we go back and we read Isaiah chapter 53 again, surely he took up my infirmities and carried away my sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God and smitten by him and afflicted. He was pierced through for my transgressions. He was crushed for my iniquities. The punishment that brought my peace was upon him. And by his wounds, I was healed. One of the things I like to say when I'm quoting that is, and if I was, then I is. I am. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, iccfamily, all one word, dot O-R-G, iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.